Good afternoon. It's Kevin Brittingham with Q. This is the Q and Ask podcast. I'm here with Adam Johnson and Jay. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe even Tom is going to speak up today and display some ignorance of John Cusack's greatest moments and theatrical importance. Um, we're going to talk about shot show cancellation. We're going to talk about Q. We're going to talk about you guys, alcohol, gifts that you've sent us. We need some stuff to decorate the new podcast room. We're going to talk about the NRA and their bankruptcy inefficiencies and things they've done right for us. New products, accessories, other things going on in the industry, the good, the bad. I don't know, a bunch of babbling, probably a bunch of editing for Thomas, but we appreciate you tuning in. You could be anywhere in the world. You're here with us. We appreciate that. Stay tuned. What's up? We're back. We, <laughs> we are back in several ways. Um, so what's going on today? How what episode you? number is this? 13. 30. You said two different numbers. It's, 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 <laughs> it's 30. We just released 29. So I could right. never remember, so I think I just made them all 13. Oh, yeah. Back, yo, back when, when I was doing them myself. Yeah, this one's 30. What number are we calling it a success? I don't know how is we there? would measure success with this. I think a hundred's like a milestone. Is that it? All right. I mean, I think if we get free alcohol or some monies or something from this, it's mm. success. Or if we just continue to answer some questions and educate our valued customers. There we go. Works for me. Where'd you get that fancy Eastern European the camo old, hoodie? The old is it the Rhodesian? It is the Rhodesian Wooby. Uh it's from Warm and Fuzzy. I'm not sure Rhodesia is in Eastern Europe, but Nope. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> Not super close either, but the yes. company is called Warm and Fuzzy. Yeah, Warm and Fuzzy. What exactly is it? That's a pullover. It is what, a Wooby hoodie. Yeah, a, so Wooby. Yeah, Wooby was. It's like a anyone that was in the military has probably had a Wooby at some point. Um, it's basically a liner. Warm and Fuzzy Wooby. Warm and Fuzzy Wooby. Yeah, <laughs> and so I mean, he makes them with some cool prints. A lot of companies will do it, but his are cool. He did like a chocolate chip camo. He did the Rhodesian one. So. You kids today. I got to support the Air Force. Big blue. Is that the big blue? Yeah. I mean, the Navy, who, were they the blue ever? The Blue Angels. Yeah, the Blue Angels. Yeah. But was crossing to the blue, was that Wait, the Navy or what, the Air Force? What, what's the Air Force's motto? Maybe tomorrow? Yeah, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, You'll get it when you get it. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Enough of this bullshit. So, um, guess what, guys? What's up? I'm doing a book. Yeah. Yeah, so I was contacted by, um, it's the basically the publishers of The Vicar's Guide, which are incredibly awesome books, which now they started, I think, maybe with ARs or something, a lot of the Knight's Armament Collection. It's Larry Vickers. He's the author. James Rupley's photographer, publisher. So he's got it contacted me. Um, now The Vicar's Guides, they've expanded, and I just saw they just did, well, they just sent me the SIG book that mm-hmm. they did. Um, what else? World War Two and... I've got an AK book from them. Incredible photographs. Have you guys seen these? Oh, yeah. I've seen the AK one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so doing a silencer book with them. So I'm pretty excited. What started out as a book, I think it's going to be a series now. So we just did all the photography from uh, for the first book. And uh, so it's me and James and Ian McCullough, I believe is his last name. So Forgotten Weapons. Mm-hmm. Seen that? Ponytailed. Cool dude. Oh, yeah. Smart the guy. Kentucky Fried Chicken Colonel Goatee guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, smart guy, knows a lot about guns, is a huge gun dork. Um, 
So he's doing it. He's doing it now. This book is not the one that you were telling me about. You writing about the the hygiene of migratory birds? No, no, this is totally okay, different. different one. No, my bird fascination is separate from the firearms. Okay. So, um, and that's birds of prey with um, two inch long talons. But that's what it was. I'm sorry. It's, it's not the hygiene. The hygiene was. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, anyhow, so doing it. So the first book is going to be a huge part of the book is going to be on Maxim. So I've been collecting Maxim silencers for 30 years, probably. Um, Maxim silencers, ads, memorabilia, mailing tubes, everything about it. So Hiram Percy Maxim invented the silencers. Dad Hiram Stevens Maxim invented the machine gun. Um, so I have a, a big collection of that stuff. And that's probably going to be about half the book. And uh, then it looks like it's going to move into, well, you know, the National Firearms Act 1934 screwed silencers. But Maxim developed some of the best silencers that are still extremely quiet, very efficient. And Maxim developed a lot of the technology that current silencers, including ours, are based on now. So that, that's pretty impressive. You know, like John Browning with the M2. You know, 100 whatever years later, we're still using the M2 50 cal. Maxim silencer is kind of the same thing. So anyway, it's going to go to World War II, the OSS. So predecessor to the CIA, the silencers that they developed during World War II. Because unfortunately, the NFA killed commercial silencers. And, you know, and it kills technology. Like you need the commercial market developing stuff to support, you know, our armed forces and whatnot. Um, OSS developed some pretty cool stuff. I've got a 22 high standard that's in the book um, that's integrally silenced. Um, a grease gun, kind of the same premise. Um, stuff from there goes to Vietnam, which like everything in the 70s was like pretty shitty. So so psionics and Mac silencers, um, not great quality, not great performance, big and heavy, pretty much useless. Uh, then it moves on into, you know, eighties, nineties and some U S commercial stuff, but, uh, you know, including some of the Mac stuff like the Mac 10, you guys ever seen the briefcase, like the mm. 380? I haven't seen MLA. it, but I, you've told me about it a little bit and I'd right. like to see it. So I need to bring one in to yes, show you. Absolutely. So they did a briefcase that had an M11 380 full auto and it fires 1680 rounds a minute. So that's like smoking fast. Yes, it is. That's like a real burp gun. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's in there, uh, a, a lot of that stuff. And, but you know, at the end of the seventies, early eighties, when some of our special operations groups that are still very relevant, uh, were established, we really started developing great silencers again. And it was all based on the Maxim silencers. And so it was a company called Qualitech, then early AWC stuff, and then into Knight's Armament and the current like global war on terror, uh, current products. And a couple of hours are in there. Uh, so I think that's going to be the first volume. So pretty excited. It's Head Stamp Publishing. If anybody wants to get on a list for a pre-order. Um, all of the books they've done, they sell out and pre-order. So if you want one, uh, at least the photography is going to be great. My commentary in the book, probably going to be okay. I bet Ian's going to do <laughs> yeah. a great job. We'll dress it up a bit. Yeah. And the books themselves are really nice too. Yeah. I mean, the quality of them, all the terminology for books is just pretty top-notch i mean compared to the ones next to you yeah okay those, yeah, those yeah are pretty so here, here, here are some comparison. some of the books so, <laughs> yeah. so these are the books like i grew up in the industry reading yeah. and most of this stuff is like written in the 60s and 70s this is john Menery, uh firearm silencers siegfried hudner which is a german fella uh silencers for handguns um these are books that you guys might be able to find now on amazon or whatever but they're great lots of great photos lots of great silencers info 
a lot of it's outdated, but a lot of stuff that you've never seen. Whispering um, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave Truby was really dramatic in a lot of his delivery of things, which is pretty cool. So Silencer Snipers and Assassins. Um, you know, there, I mean, there's lots of good books. There's lots of foreign books. Like I have, uh, you know, some German and Russian books and stuff like that. I've got a Finnish book on silencers. Um, but, you know, Al Paulson in the in the late 90s or mid late 90s did a series. That, well, I think it ended up just being two. He wrote the third one, but it's never been published. Silencers, History and Performance. And it was basically just evaluating current silencers. And that's pretty interesting. Uh, he did a lot of great work. Uh, it's really dated at this point, but it kind of shows you where the industry was. And that's kind of where my first company, Advanced Armament, was sort of born in the industry during that period. Uh, where, where we had articles written in Guns and Weapons for Law Enforcement, Special Weapons for Military and Police, like Al Paulson was the guy that wrote the books, wrote all of, um, you know, the articles and comparisons on silencers. Um, so anyway, I'm pretty excited. Doing a new book. There'll be lots of great pictures. That's cool to me. For everyone that's going to ask, what is the timeline? Did you say that already? Yeah, so the book, I believe, the pre-sale will start, oh, I don't know. The book, the book will be out the end of this year, mm. early next year. So yeah. worst case, about a year from now, but probably around November time frame. Yeah, some of it probably depends on me writing. Sure, um, but we we've already done all the photography for the book, mm. so that's that's, that's a awesome. big part of it. Yeah, um, you know, and it's exciting for me because you know I don't know how many silencers I have, but hundreds, maybe thousand, fifteen hundred, a lot of silencers and a lot of historical stuff. And so I've had a lot of it in storage for a long time. And so getting it out for the book was exciting and interesting. And um, I don't know, you guys might not even follow my personal Instagram. But so I've started kind of in anticipation of the book, posting some old silencers and stuff. Most of it won't even be in the book, but that I have in a brief description every day to kind of get people excited because I'm excited about it again. You know, I've had all this stuff that for the first 20 years, me and five other people in the world care about. Right. And now silencers are becoming more mainstream. And yeah. so some of the actual history of it, and for me, the interesting part, like kind of how it started and where we got to where we are now, but also the military use of the silencers and why it's critical and what's worked out really well and what's kind of sucked. Right. Well, that and, brings up a point too. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that the Marines just bought, I think it was 30,000 silencers. And I think the focus is they're going to try to get every infantryman to have a silencer, which I think before it wasn't, Obviously, it was only select few personnel it, or it's units. So, so well, interesting that the Marines are going to be the, <laughs> the first ones to do this. That is backwards than normal. Yeah. I mean, hopefully <laughs> it works out. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, when you think in terms of a firearm, the sound, it, it's um, noise pollution. Every time you shoot without a silencer or hear, hearing protection, it's permanent hearing damage. Mm -hmm. And that we're just now getting to the point and yeah. probably it's so ass backwards. If you see the Marines are adopting it first mainstream, then it's, it should be on every gun, but as an industry, it's our job to make it to where it's efficient enough to be on every gun. Mm -hmm. Like it should not be noticeable when you handle the gun and only noticeable when you shoot the gun. Yeah. The benefits are tremendous. You know, obviously sound reduction, but communication on the field, uh, identification of teams or units, you know, good guys versus bad guys. Yeah. And then in the, the afterworld out of the military, it's VA claims for oh, hearing right. loss. Yeah. It's My gonna, Lord. it's so high right now. I mean, the country spends so much money just paying people for hearing loss yeah. for yeah. the rest of their life. So it, yeah. it's ridiculous. It yeah. would be way easier to give everyone silence. Absolutely, it is um, crazy how 
it's just not a standard at this point, even outside of the military, even just within the, the civilian world. Like there was that, I think it was John Lovell that you did the video, the little boomsticks thing. That's, where the, that's the, right. I think fire, it was, yeah, the fire, fire breathing, breathing dragon. Yeah. Stick but it's like anyone, and there are some people who just don't know and they have a, a 10 and a half inch or 11 inch pistol mm. as their AR home defense. And it, it may be their first, their first gun, whatever, but shoot that outside and it's insane. And then now shoot it inside mm. with other people around. Like I, it blows my mind that it's not a standard right now that not everyone, well, I know it's harder for to anyone get, that's fired a firearm inside of an automobile. Like, but uh, you know, silencers in general, it's been a long time coming. I mean, I think, you know, I'm 47 now at 19 when I shot my first, gun with a silencer and start advanced armament. Like it was obvious to me, you know, I thought we'd make it happen very quickly, but here we are. Oh my Lord. A lifetime yeah. later, still working on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone should have them. It's interesting. I mean, we'll see. There's, there's been this sort of stuff. We'll see what the Marine Corps actually does and if they can get right. the funds. Uh, cause you know, they got to get the money from somewhere and it seems like fi- silencers traditionally just fall by the wayside, um, when it comes to funding for military units. So, We'll see. But anyway, doing a book, I'm excited about it. Hopefully it's the first of a series because I've got enough to probably do a five or six book series. It looks like it'll probably be three books the way we're doing it now. Um, Yeah, again, they're available through um, headstamppublishing.com, James Rupley. Uh, The books, I'm not sure how much the book will be. They, They seem to run about 100 to 120 bucks. But like Adam was saying, the quality of the book... Um, overall outside and inside the photography is incredible. The amount of content in them too is insane. Yeah. They're they're not little books. They're big books. Well, I even think about how how jaded I am. I I just happened to be the right age, got interested at the right time and had great opportunities and collected massive amounts of memorabilia, uh, vintage silencers. I've shot everything like the maximum silencers I have. I shoot them. Um, the OSS silencers, I shoot them, you know, all this, every silencer I have, I shoot there. There's nothing that I have. I won't shoot. So I have actual experience with it too. And, and, and we've tested or at least sound metered a lot of this stuff over the years. So it's been pretty interesting. I mean, I just never thought anybody else would be interested in it. So it's exciting for me personally, for people to, you know, there, to be enough interest where they would approach me and want to do a book. Yeah. It's cool. So, so it's cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, what do you think about, uh, so we'll move on. Okay. We'll, we'll stop pimping my book. I think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, there were some good segues there going into uh, HPA. And oh, how, my God. I think it's getting reintroduced, or it is reintroduced. I saw something on I social wish, media. I wish I'd never started the American Silencer Association now. Mm. And Knox, it's all your fault. Knox is a yeah. freaking <laughs> moron. It's a record. Yeah, record so HPA, I saw they're trying to reintroduce that, which... You know, the protection that we have with Biden in office right now to a large degree is that silencers are on the NFA. Mm-hmm. So it takes more than an executive act. You know, like we, he needs Congress to basically deregulate silencers so he could do an executive order. I believe this is correct. And silencers being in the NFA now with uh, obviously very pro get rid of guns administration, um, they're much more protected than just a basic firearm. And so now we have this idiot at the American Suppressor Association mm-hmm. getting the HPA, the Hearing Protection Act, reintroduced, which would deregulate silencers. So it would be easy for Biden to do an executive order and ban silencers. So what an asshole. Yeah. What, what, do, you, what do you think, Jay? 
You got anything negative to say? If not, then be quiet. No, I agree with you 100%. No, I, I definitely agree with you 100%. I think it uh, it had an impact last time it was proposed and tried to push through, and I don't know. Oh. Don't necessarily know why they would try again. But Yeah, I just thought of it when you said uh, NFA and Howard Maxim and all that. NFA killed silencers and pretty much his company. Yeah. HPA is the same thing today. Right. In kind of a different way, but still very bad for silencers well, from well, our, our standpoint and dealers and all that. I was going to say, last time there had to have been a noticeable dampening in sales like, oh like yeah i obviously it, don't know oh, numbers, oh hba when we started right. the company this company q yeah. in 2016 hba happened silencer sales stopped yeah because stop hope, right? for almost Everyone's a like, year oh if i right. wait i won't have to pay 200 dollars. trump's right. gonna deregulate silencers. Yeah. nobody had any silencers or they had nobody to sell silencers to right because everybody was waiting so the pipeline for all the distributors was clogged with all the bullshit that they bought that everyone was producing leading up to this because every silencer would sell then it just stopped because people didn't want to pay the tax hmm. and and i'll say like i don't know let's try to be concise i think silencers being regulated is ridiculous. Mm. They're classified as a firearm by ATF. It's insane. Yeah. But it's where we are. Mm. But if it protects silencers from being banned by Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, mm. I'm all for it. Like the barrier barrier to entry, it sucks. You pay a $200 tax. God knows I pay enough taxes. So do you guys. Yeah. So we don't even have to have the fucking discussion. Mm. Waiting 10 months or six months or mm. two months to get a silencer is stupid. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it being the the only only muffler that's regulated. However, it's where we are. But to to expose them during like uncertain times with Joe Biden, to where it makes it easier for him to just like sign a letter and ban silencers, like H HPA ASA bunch of assholes. Yeah, one of the new bills are introducing. Uh, I don't remember which bill number it was, but it was the one regarding uh, seven-day wait periods for yeah, firearms, ammunition, and they wrote silencers in that. So seven-day wait period for silencers, at what expense, though? Right. Well, maybe it'll be one of those things. I or remember. do they not know? It doesn't they, yeah, take I was gonna that say, long. It's probably that. <laughs> well, they probably yeah. are ignorant. But, yeah. But I remember when I was getting my first carry permit when I was 21. And in Georgia, the law reads that if they do not give you an approval within 30 days— that they have to issue the the license, mm-hmm. but if they find information that you're not allowed to have it, you know they could sure. they could reclaim it. And there was a backlog at the time because I turned 21, you know, during the Clinton administration, and so there was a backlog because everything with firearms, just like now, was clogged up. And so I went in 30 days and I printed out like the little like here's the Georgia code you have to issue me my permit. And the magistrate she was pissed. But she gave it to me, and she made sure to tell me, if we find out there's anything <laughs> where you're not allowed, we're going to take this back. Yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, so maybe it'd be a situation like that. Maybe they put this in there, and all of a sudden, like, they have to give it to you within, you know, there's a seven-day waiting period, but then you can get it. Mm-hmm. Well, the next check is already like that anyway. If you get a delay, there's a, a time period. A lot of places will yeah. go. Yeah, uh, but no dealers, they, they don't do that because if it gets denied, who's going to sign up to go get that gun back? Right. Right. I mean, it yeah. should, be, should be the ATF. Should be. Should yeah. be. Well, let those assholes yeah. go get it. Was it. Is that a, a stone face or a local uh, brewer? Lone Pine from Portland, Maine. Yes, sir. Oh, very delicious. It is an imperial milk stout. Oh, that sounds gross. It's an acquired taste. Yeah. I, I've not acquired that. <laughs> Jay, do you even drink? Barely. 
Barely. Barely. When you do, what is it? I like a nice Mexican lager. I like a nice <laughs> tecate. <laughs> like a nice. Why is Tommy laughing? I don't know. Like I, a, I don't know why. I don't know you either. certainly don't drink with those little pants. Well, so like if I, I'll drink like Tecate, I'll drink like Corona, Pacifico, whatever. Oh, you're being serious. You've only Dead acquired serious. a taste for Mexican beer. Basically, if I'm choosing to drink, that's what I'm going to drink. But also, I'm a little partial to some Campari. <laughs> is, is that the, the, it's, the liqueur? I that, think you're yeah. supposed to like dab that into other drinks. Yeah, that's what everyone tells me, but I just drink it with soda water or whatever, and I'm right. chilling. So, okay, so. so we have someone from the extreme northeast of America, mm. like very isolated. Maine. And you like your beer from Mexico. Yeah, I just feel like I relate and, to them more. And you relate to the ghetto. A with, little bit with, more. With your liqueur taste. And yeah. the Rhodesians. And the Rhodesians, yeah. So you want to pass me the Cavassier? No. <laughs> <laughs> No. All right, I give up on this. I mean, <laughs> fucking Thomas Vapes, you, you're drinking. Like, Campari's pretty good. Another acquired taste. Well, go get some, bring it in here. All right, you're go. not going to like it. But I'm okay. talking about right now. I'm doing this right now. You got any at your desk? Do we have any no. in this building? Campari, I very highly doubt it. Me too. This is terrible. All right, so moving on. Yeah. Shot Show was canceled. Yeah. Adam, what, what's your initial thought? What's your first comment? Who needs it? It's exactly mine. Yeah. So it's like we're... The internet... Social media, nothing's a secret anymore. Why travel out there and get sick? You know what I hate as a company, though? Like, well, SHOT Show sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I did it for 20 years. They, even the cry party sucked last time I went. Like, it, even the that's cry, that's I like, mean, I love Caleb, yeah. and I love adventure and fun. The cry mm-hmm. party sucked every time I've been. Oh, well, you don't like fun. Shots well, fired. No, I do. No, no, that's not. That's not. I mean, it's just cold. It's long. Yeah. I mean, I'm, Caleb is very odd, which is... A brilliant thing and it's part of his brilliance and like the products he's created the company he's created and i'm very envious mm. um but we just have different probably um our patience yeah tolerance is very different i watched a, i watched a bunch of guys from magpul dressed up as bananas beat somebody up well, that's that was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, to me, like everything that happens. At, okay, so I want to take some of that back. Yeah. I want to make a retraction. Mm. Everything that's happened at a cry party like that, I would yeah. love to see that. Yeah. The three hours leading up to oh, it, yeah. I'm uninterested. In. No, that that I like. The would highlights. you would you share the All Stars bitches story? All Star. Oh, that was a cry party story. Yeah. So yeah. one of our first Q shirts was um, All Stars bitches, and it has like a speeding tennis ball. Yeah. So one of the founders of the company. Um, apparently was an all-star in t-ball as a child mm-hmm. ha- had a good had a good arm on him basically is what i'm saying we're at the cry party and it's one where it was based on like mario kart the yep. nintendo game i believe and we, we i think we had a vehicle in it and, yep. I, and i think we actually we would have won if our driver didn't go so fast yeah and i know so, that sounds crazy so because that's how you win with, with that being said I'm not sure I'm remembering now, but I think mm. our driver was actually a driver for one of the most elite special forces units in the history of the world. Yes. And he is insanely scary. We were on my farm one day and we have 10 miles of road and my, and, and at my farm, my house is on one end of the mountain. We were on the far end of the property property. We were on the far end of the property. And so probably five miles away, we stopped first time I ever took me for a ride in a Polaris Razor. And it's mountain property. I was so terrified, I got out as soon as we stopped, and I walked (laughs) Walked back back to the house. It took me all afternoon. 
It's a true story. Yeah. So he drove for us. Yeah. Anyway, they were shoot. So they had spectators shoot tennis balls with these awesome like air tennis ball gun things, shooting at all the drivers. And so there's tennis balls everywhere, and we're kind of up in this mezzanine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't name him, but Robbie Johnson right. had a good right arm. He does. And he picked up a tennis ball, and he hurled a fastball down the, in, into the galley, we'll call it. And he pops a fella mm. right there in the forehead. I think it was one of the drivers. No, 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 no. It was, a, it was it? a drunk. It was oh. Pops him right here in the temple. Yeah. Drops him <laughs> <laughs> with a tennis ball. Swear to God. With a tennis ball. Fastball. Yeah. Bam. In the temple. Drops him down to a knee. He gets up, staggers. Shakes the cobwebs and starts trying to climb up. So where we were, it were bleachers that were maybe in your high school gym, you understand. They were like pushed in. So it's like a wall, but there's little cracks you can climb. He starts trying to climb to get to us to kill Robbie. (laughs) But, and so anyway, it was, it was hysterical. And Robbie was not afraid at all because not that Robbie was extremely tough, but Mm -hmm. knew it's like the guy was obviously not going to be able to climb the bleachers. (laughs) Robbie turns around to all of us. We're like, Oh my God! You just knocked that guy out with the tennis ball. <laughs> he says, "T-ball, I was all stars, bitches." <laughs> and you know, he's very southern, even more than me. Mm. It's pretty funny. So we had a T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. So that that that's a great cry right. party, party story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want to tell some stories, I'll tell a couple stories. I just want to shout out to Edgar Sherman for last year's shot show cry party. What did he do? He he remembers. <laughs> well, if, if if he's listening, I need a sling. He yeah. No, he's great just. Slings. I've never just seen anybody so drunk in my life and still standing. Well, he's a little fella. He's a little, yeah. yeah. Well, even hearing Caleb tell stories of the cry parties, like when we went to lunch with him, it, him telling it is crazy because he's very. he seems very just calm and... Caleb's an alien. Yeah, just very <laughs> mellow. And then him telling the stories of the absolute chaos hmm. was it was cool. It's madness. Yeah, well, it reminds me a part of, uh, well, no, not a party, but a story with Trey. It was kind of a party. Trey and I, it was a Sunday. It was late August. It was very hot. Just got out of church. No, we just got out of the strip club. So it was we church. we we hours in the morning. We're at uh we're at night's armament. Just the two of us. Doing some stuff in the museum. Still drinking Patron. It's daylight. And he's like, Hey man, I'll tell you what I got my dad for Christmas. I'm like, nah, man, what'd you get your dad for Christmas? He's like, Polaris Razor, you know what that is? I was like, nah years ago and so we we walked the three mile trek through night's armament to get to the tank museum to where the polaris was i was like god man that thing's freaking awesome we should drive it because <laughs> you know they've got like a hundred acres there and they've got a security perimeter roads along the fence gravel and I'm like, hey let's go and so we're going the thing goes like 60 miles an hour we, we are booking it all right we're, we're booking it and trey is notorious terrible driver and uh we're, we're speeding rapidly towards a fence with a nine degree turn in the, in the road and i'm like huh i'm taking pictures of it you know social media you know i'm like lighting it up and what's funny the last picture's all blurry and you see my glasses and you see my head and everything so he rolls this thing we roll like 16 times holy shit and somehow every time we landed on my side he still had his glasses on when he landed. My glasses, very first flip, they're off my head. And I have gravel, and I'm cut up everywhere in my head, my shoulder, my arms, everything. The only thing that stopped us from, like, infinity roll is the uh, security fence. <laughs> so we rolled that thing up. And <laughs> so it took, like, 
So the player, the razor at the time was like six grand, took like four thousand dollars to to repair this razor. And about the time that happened, my kids and their two nannies pull up. They were at Disney World, <laughs> and they pull up to get me, and I'm like picking gravel out of my shoulder and the side of my head and everything. I'm bleeding everywhere. My kids were little. They're crying. They thought I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> and Trey, not a scratch on him. Like they thought he like beat me up or something. <laughs> but yeah, so so that's a Trey Knight cry party sort mm-hmm. of story. Yeah. Um, that was a. Did he give the razor to Reed? Still? Yeah. Yeah. Still <laughs> it got, it got yeah, squared it away. Still has, yeah. That's awesome. Four thousand dollars later. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so yeah, Shot Show was canceled. Yeah. I don't yeah, care I don't about know. shots. There's some though. virtual uh, shots going on right now. It seems. Well, what stupid. is that? What is a virtual shot? I would just imagine it's a lot like what we're doing right now. Yeah, I don't. I think it's just with some more guns and yeah, shooting, probably, probably. Some FaceTime type stuff. At this point, is a shot show really just because you guys have been obviously? But is it more just shout out to Lillard at, for sending us beer? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Joe Lillard. Appreciate um, everybody sends us beer. At this point, is it just a place? Where once a year everyone just goes I mean, and hangs out. Yeah, you get to go see your friends. There's networking. You meet customers, things like that. You well, get to un- uh, the networking, yeah. Yeah, but as far as like launching new products for the fake deadline that is SHOT Show is just... You end up with a less product yeah. and and you compete with everyone else for attention for your new product. Exactly. It's ridiculous. For people that are only there for the free patches and being in Vegas. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think social media and... And just digital media in general is kind of made Shaw Show unnecessary. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we haven't done it. I mean, yeah. two, 2017 was the last Shot Show we did. Yeah, and, you know, at SIG, it was always just rush, rush, rush. We have to have this for Shot Show. And yep. then every video on YouTube for the next year is a product that's never going to come to fruition XI conversion it's, it's already changed the mpx the, silencer barrel yeah all mm-hmm. the things i mean yeah so i'm with, I'm with you yeah. i don't care well i kind of hate that it was canceled because you know i've been wanting to do our own thing i've got my whole idea for our mm-hmm. product launches and uh, an annual thing we do every year and i don't want to this to catapult other companies into like yeah doing what i'm doing. was it just needed at one point like i know obviously there wasn't the, the digital marketing and all that marketing oh before. it's social before social media and all i think yeah i think it was necessary i think it was a great idea i think it's like a lot of things now that old people are hanging on to it's just dated it's good for vendors people that want to work with gun companies right. or people in the industry like the first floor shot show vendor day is probably the best part because you get to see new vendors meet new vendors actually physically see what they make products that they offer services right but Again, speaking of that and being dated, what about the, um, did you guys see the NRA file for bankruptcy? Yeah, I did. The The way that I saw it, it seemed like it was, they were filing for bankruptcy to leave New York. Like it was like a It is hard to get out of New York. If you're a resident of New York, it's hard to get out. But is is that the uh, bullshit story they're telling? I th- I think so. That's just what I, when I did a brief search on it, when I saw the headline, it seemed like that was... They're using that as the idea of like, it's a loophole. We're going to file bankruptcy from here so we can leave New York and go wherever they're going, Texas. Who I mean, I feel like that's bullshit. Um, but, I mean, I think it's a sign of the times. I mean, I think when I got into guns, God, almost 120 years ago, um, you know, he was uh, head of NRA at the time. And he still is. It mm-hmm. seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That was before social media. The same guy's still in charge. How's mm-hmm. that possible? He's got to be like 80 years old. 
I remember when I was younger hearing more about the NRA from uncles, friends of family, whatever, and it seemed more prevalent, and I think maybe they were doing more good, I guess. Um, well, I think then, with social media, it was a sign that you supported gun rights. Like, you have the little sticker for your truck. Right, yeah. But then, as the last couple of years, I just don't... Really, people I know that are part of the community or the industry don't really ever talk about the NRA. They don't really care. No, I mean, you, I mean, you think of our experiences. I mean, I think the, the, the what sucks about it is they are the most powerful lobbying group that we have for our rights. Yep. And the downside is they suck. Like, we saw it with the arm brace. Yeah. I mean, they came along at the last minute to try to save the day and... You and know, even then, they didn't follow through with what for, they promised. Well, for the first three months, they wouldn't mm-hmm. even touch it. Yeah. You know, they're trying to... I mean, it was clear when the ATF went after us for the arm brace. It was the beginning of going after the arm brace. Yeah. And we wanted to fight. And, you know, they weren't even interested in m- making a phone call. I mean, the younger people in the NRA wanted to help. They understood. NRA, as an industry... You know, I've, I've told the story ten times. Like, when, when I had advanced armament early in my career and wanted to set up at their show... And it paid, they refunded my money and told me I couldn't come because they didn't want, you know, my type of gun. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So they're going to move. I didn't even know their headquarters in New York. I thought it was D.C. I, I've been there a bunch of times. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So that's that's not the headquarters I've been to with the, like, museum and the gun range and stuff. That's their lobbying, uh, you know, mm. political location. I mean, the fact that they're still in New York and we just know this, mm-hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. The fact they're in New York is dumb. Like, they should be kicked in the balls for that. Yeah. Texas makes sense. I think that's where they're headed. <laughs> really headline reader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots um, of research. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, what else is up? You seen any uh, videos lately? Gun there videos? Were, there videos some, about us? There were some silencer shop videos that were released. Yeah. Um, also, Talon, Talon Sai. About us? About uh, Well, Talon Sai for sure. Yeah. Kit Badger just did one oh, yeah. about one. the Erector, the Erector 9. 9. That was awesome. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, the sound, I will say I did an excellent job on the Silence Shop videos. I think you did as well. <laughs> no, th- those are pretty cool. Yeah, I was invited out to um, the guy in charge of marketing at Silence Shop. He's got a ranch out in Wyoming, so I spent some time out there. We did some videos. So we talked about a lot of products. Uh, the Honey Badger... Maybe the mini fix, the Erector. I saw yeah. that one recently. Yeah, Erector and El Camino were in the same video. Yeah, so so their videos I think are good. I don't. They post them on YouTube, I guess. Or are they on their website? YouTube. Very good. Mm. Um, yeah, old Kit Badger, old Ivan. The yeah. Erector Nine video. I know he's the only person in the world's had an Erector Nine for a year. Yeah, yeah. So Lucky that's, fella. Yeah. yeah. We just sent him one of our triggers too. Oh, we did. Yep. The production trigger so get some feedback on that probably some content you know it's an interesting thing like there's so many gun tubers now mm. youtube gun what, what do you call them jay you're, you're young and hip i i don't know what the, i don't think influencer is even really the term but they don't like that they, they content creator content creator yeah. but how do we denote that it's a firearms two-way content creator all right I okay so i like gun gun tubers yeah. cool gun tuber yeah. so I've been looking at those, and, uh, you know, for instance, I was talking to you about um, the Gun Collective, who I don't want to like. I don't want to like the content, but I do, but it's mainly headlines. It doesn't do a lot of testing. And we we, we like Talon Sai, so we do stuff with him. So you see um, 
he just did a honey badger video. It was very good. He and I did an interview at my house and then he did his own kind of review shooting video while he carries the gun in his van. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching the gun collective though, he's not really, uh, and, and I like his, I've been watching his and again, I don't want to watch, but what he does, it seems like he just scours blogs, gets the content, then talks to it. Doesn't really go and do any reviews, but he's entertaining. It's very quick. It's very fast. You get a lot of information. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not the one I'm thinking of isn't super new, but Garantham did a good job with, I think he did a good unbiased opinion on the, the honey badger when he mm-hmm. came out with his, I think he's one of the most, most popular, uh, most looked at his videos are great. Yeah. I think he has one of our cans. I think he's been just over time. No, he, um, he does a good genuine videos. Yeah. yeah he, and I think he, he seems unbiased, seems genuine and yeah. authentic. And I mean, he was clearly according to him bribed to write a bad review about right. the honey badger. He chose not oh, to, that, and he called those people out. Right. That was interesting. The honey yeah. badger review that he said yeah. that several companies offered to, bribe him they bribed to him to shit on it yeah, yeah. to give us a bad talk, review like yeah. it's so pathetic like, yeah and good on him for laugh. calling them out and yeah and good on him also for not calling them out yeah. individually right. would have been nice to know but he's professional yeah. and yeah, i think well, it any, showed in that video so. yeah. anybody that says the honey badger the fix mm-hmm. aren't incredible you, you just can't rely on them yeah well we got some things in front of us we want to talk about that yeah yeah. What things? What do we have here? Well, we have the pork chop cherry bomb. What are you talking? Oh, the XL. Is that what we're gonna call it? I, I don't really like the name. I don't either. I don't know. It looks giant, but <laughs> if you look at the old AAC blackout flash hiders, it's the same size as the bigger cherry bomb. So I think we've just been so spoiled with the small cherry bomb that it looks huge. Yeah, this is tiny like Jay. Yeah, that's that's regular size. Oh, and, and this is this, this is lighter weight than the Surefire muzzle brake. Oh yeah, like a war comp. I don't know. It's some lame cloner thing. I don't know. What the were, were you saying that the big one is the same size as like a fifty-one tooth flash hider? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and which was or just the blackout flash hider doesn't yeah. matter the number of teeth. No, it doesn't actually. <laughs> you made them. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm correcting you. <laughs> so just for people seeing this, you know, oh. that's the. The reality of how big that actually is. Yeah, so this will be the steel cans. Not only a 338, mm-hmm. but the 556, 30 cal. Like yeah. all the steel cans that were coming. Jay, don't be mad. I'm not uh, mad. I, I was, I was, I was bugging at you eating in the mic. Like that's all I was hearing. <laughs> I was trying not to laugh. Really? Yeah. But you're good <laughs> you, now, yeah. You, had a, you swallowed a gremlin last <laughs> week. You're going to be mad about me sucking oh, a I'm not mad at hazelnut all. out what? of my tooth? No. no, I'm not mad at all. I just try not to laugh. A whole hazelnut. Yeah, you should laugh. I just did. Go ahead, a, get it out of your Had system. a good ha-ha. Well, then you tell us something about this cherry bomb, funny man. It's big <laughs> for the 8.6. <laughs> um, everything about it is very similar to the, the normal cherry bomb, um, but you cannot put the new pork chop on a regular-sized cherry bomb. No, they don't mix. Right. W- what's cool about this, though, with the 5.56 can, is we'll be able to do a full-length flash hider. It's going to be very effective for flash, mm-hmm. which... I don't know. All you cloners really want. So that's yeah. cool. Um, did you see the new 6.8 Western from Winchester and Remington? Yeah. I'm just so uninterested. It's like a 270 short mag, but a right. 6. Well, I guess 6.8. Yeah. 27. So I looked. I tried to do a little research on it when yeah. I saw it. And the numbers that they're putting out um, 
they're saying that there's because of that short mag case they can put in 10 percent less powder but have 12 percent more energy at 500 yards yeah well six five creedmoor is a very efficient case compared to 260 so that worked yeah so i know you were talking about how because it's that 270 short mag case and six eight it's going to need a bigger bolt face and that developer that creates its own problems yeah um at least in the ar platform specifically but uh, another thing was 165 grained Acubons from Winchester, and then Browning is going to load 175 grain Sierra Game Kings. So, I guess there's. I think they're going to develop more loads. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, but you know, for me, it, if we're just doing it for bolt guns, you can build whatever. If you want to feed it into a gas gun, you, you got to consider the bolt bolt face magazine. Um, is it going to provide a lot more than 270 short mag? Like, I don't know. Right. Like, do I need more? Like, I rarely need more than 6.5 or 308 with a good bullet. So right. I'm not even sure I care that much. I think that's they're kind of marketing the round as something in between like a 30 out 6 and a 300 win mag, but I feel like there are already enough options. I don't yeah, know if it'll take off. I read a little about it too when you brought it up, and, and I care less than I did when it came out. Yeah. So, And it could be great, but. Yeah. I get the idea of getting a bigger projectile than a 6.5 out I, there, but... I mean, I like improvement as much... You know, you know, for me, the improvement, though, when it comes to ammo and new cartridges, it's the thing I care least about. I say that while we're doing 8.6. But, you know, 8.6 is for a gas gun. Right. It's super and subsonic. And, and, you know, it provides us something new, working in conjunction with silencers, makes sense. Um yeah. And that's essentially a new system. Like we do the fast twist barrel and everything like that. Fast twist barrel, the silencer, the guns. We right. do the whole thing. As opposed to this, just throwing it into something that already yeah. exists. I saw it. I saw, I watched a couple of YouTube channels. The gun reviewers on it. I, I don't care. I mean, especially after two two four, like the two two four Valkyrie Federal sent us ammo. They did a bunch of stuff for us. We build the first mini fixes in that. The the caliber flopped because it wasn't what they claimed. Um, you know, it's a it, it best just mild improvement over five five six, but you have all of these new things to deal with. So it just doesn't make sense. Right. You know, uh, like for me, if we're doing a ten percent improvement and it's something that complicated like ammo, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Um you know, and and with this, like the new cartridge, the uh, six eight Western, you're not going to be able to put it in a gas gun very easily. You got to change the bolt, change the mag. It's like all these other Wildcats, like whatever three seventy five Raptor or whatever it is, four fifty eight. So, no, what was the SOCOM? Thing? Yeah, four fifty eight SOCOM. You know, like who cares? Yeah, it's great for killing, but you have to have a delivery system. Right. If you don't have delivery system, whether it's mag or gun or both or whatever, it doesn't matter how good the ammo is. So I just don't care. Yeah, that's my, my thoughts. Yeah, I don't. One interesting thing about the six eight Western, I think, I don't know if it was submitted on the same day, but it was approved on the same day um, as the Sig Fury round, uh, approved by Sammy, on the same day, and dimensionally they're nearly identical. No, oh, really. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Well, you know, in the Sig Fury round, it's like hopped up two seventy. Like, also, who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like if the still like uh head mm. ammo that they're doing where they get much higher pressures that's cool yeah um that's a big significant difference where it justifies doing it but you know the bulk of the ammo and everything they're thinking they're produced for the commercial market where the cost is reasonable 
is 10% better than 270 or whatever. So it, it who cares? Yeah. That whole round two was just created for the NGSW contract, as far as I know, right? Like the the, the military, the 277 Fury. Yeah. Um. The yeah. I don't for know. The if, but I think it was for both platforms. I think the military said they wanted a a six eight round to replace five five six or three oh eight whichever. Um. So I don't. As far as I know, Sig didn't initially do it for the consumer. I think it was kind of an afterthought, and I think you'll see. Yeah, that. and it seems like the commercial after. I mean, ammo is an afterthought, and who cares? Right. Like I, I just. It's not a big improvement. Yeah. It's stupid, but it's still. You know the ammo that's a split case where right. it's brass and it's got a steel head on it, so it can handle high pressures. You can get much more velocity out of it. Right. That's awesome. You make it all brass. You have to download it. Who cares? You know, it's like I don't know how ten millimeter became like. There's this resurgence of interest in ten millimeter because it's basically forty one mag. Then you put it into a gas gun. Um. Or uh, you know whatever it is, recoil operated brown type action, and for people to be able to handle the recoil on a pistol, you download it to the point where it's a 40 caliber. So 10 millimeter is just, I don't know, 10 sounds cooler than 40 cal. Right. 40 uh, plus P. Yeah. So mm. I, I don't know, but yeah, that's interesting. Jesus. What else? We talked about gun use. BNT. BNT. You see the station six, their improved VP nine, basically a well rod. The well rod. Off. Yeah. The new well rod. Yeah. Um, I remember when, they, like five years ago, when they teased this, they were saying it was a veterinarian's gun. Yeah, that was the VP9. It was the veterinary pistol 9mm. What do you know about this? So the well rod in World War II, it was uh, the British MOD. They had this gun that they did in 32, and then they had a 9mm version. It was like the size of the Mark 23 HK pistol. It was fucking huge, yeah, but the 32 is smaller. It's, um, that was a Colt 32 magazine Um that went into basically a rotary, but it's like essentially a bolt action pistol, right, single yeah. shot pistol, but very quiet. Yep. And they were, I mean, in the first Gulf War, the Brits used them even. So it's been around, served a purpose. You know, it's for just like killing someone close range. Yeah. Yeah. So the, this new one, the sector, sector station six, BNT station six, um, it's an improvement on that VP nine. I don't know if the VP nine really ever made improvement it. Improvement how? Well, so that they're, you can use standard Colt mags for like 1911 mags. So there's going to be nine mil, 40 millimeter or 40 millimeter. <laughs> That'd 40 be awesome. That'd be sick. <laughs> nine mil and 40 cal, uh, 45. I don't know why I'm messing up. The what calibers, are you talking about? Th- is it nine and 45s that we're trying to say? Yeah, there's two models. Yeah, there's uh, nine and there's 45. Um, there, so but the VP nine was more, you, the magazine was a proprietary thing where it comes, the grip itself is the magazine the, the original well rod that was the way it was right so this is not that way you can just use standard 1911 mags so so it has a like a, a it's got a grip housing or a grip that right. goes inside of it yeah. yeah and they the thing that was crazy to me was that the price point on it's $2000 so it's magazine fit it's, it's not Swiss. yeah of course yeah but it comes with a can and there's a wipe in it yeah. Um, you can take the can off. It's not one piece. Uh, they won't sell it to you without the can. And they're making, they, they advertise it as training suppressors, but they said there are baffles in them. So I don't really know if it's actually a suppressor or if it's a suppressor trainer. It's got wipes mm-hmm. in it. Well, it's interesting. Um, I mean, it's one of those things they'll sell a thousand of them. Nobody else cares. Right. 
So I'm not sure why they made it, if there was a military that wanted it. I mean, I do know the Brits were still using them, but now the beginning of the Gulf War was 30 years ago. Right. Uh, they were using them then. Um, I feel like it's a novelty, but... Yeah, I, I do too. So you have a 1,000 people. Right. I mean, I would like to have one. Yeah. And I would shoot it to impress you guys when you come over for a beer. But other than that, I'm yeah. not going to like use it for anything practical. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's 11 and a half inches long, too. It's like you said, oh, it's big. It's big. Yeah. I mean, the handy rifle seems dumb at first. Right. Until you put a silencer on it, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's one of true. my favorite guns in my vault. So, yeah. Good point. But also, yeah. is that, like you said, it becomes fun. So it, is the, it's yeah. novelty. It's novelty. It's good for like a new shooter. Yeah. You know, stuff yeah. like that. But for a handy rifle, is not $2,000. No. Yeah. No, it was sub $200, I think, when right. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want one. I don't think it's super interesting. Yeah. I don't think most people are going to like it, bear the expense or trouble, bear the entry to get one. Um, yeah, it's just a take on the British World War II well rod. Yep. What's your favorite firearms company other than Q? Oh. Ooh, that's a good question. I, off principle, I think Knights because I don't have. Yeah, well, principle? Just, <laughs> the idea of Knights because I don't have a ton of experience with Knights guns, but I like Knights products. I think I like them a lot. Mm. Um, so I would say that, or I like FN. FN's cool. Why? Really? Yeah, I like FN. Why? Because they put belt feds on planes. They do that. Um, I'm a big belt fed fan for sure, but I don't. I don't know. I think that they're every FN that I've ever shot, regardless of model, has felt quality to me. It's felt like well put together. They're a real company. FN's cool. Hmm. What about you? Don't suck up and say SIG in case no. things don't work out at Q. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, they'll always, always have a special place in my heart. First yeah. first job in the industry. I think for all um, of us. No, yeah, not for Kevin. most of us. Um, <laughs> I like SIG. Uh, I have boy. a SIG book from yeah. Bicker's Guide. You yes, guys you do. don't. I don't have a favorite company. No. no. No? Companies you like? What's one you like? Um, I guess Ruger. I like a 1022, you know, just because it's fun. Not necessarily like them as a company, but... If I was going to grab a gun right now and go shoot in my yard, that would be it. You know, I, w- I, I will say that Ruger and both Savage are companies that I respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because they do a lot of stuff. Some kind of innovative things, especially for a big company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm just thinking about, like, the Savage just came out with Straight Pull. Yeah. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I didn't see a lot on it, but I saw it, see, and it seemed cool. When we were going to do the fix, I wanted to do a Straight Pull, but I, I didn't think America was ready. So we did a short throw bolt action. Right. I don't know that I agree with the way they're doing it. It seems like the way SIG would do a straight pull where it's basically a cam and they have ball bearings like the Knight's Armament, which you like, MAM's mount for their silencer. We'll see how that goes, but it is very fast. Straight pull is cool. So it's exciting to see a company like SIG do some, or mm. Savage. SIG, SIG should be doing it, but Savage. Yeah. Doing things that are, you know, pretty new and innovative, at least for this country. Mm-hmm. You know, our country. Like, sure. I think, straight pull is popular in Europe. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up a good point just by saying Ruger or, and then you bring in Savage, like whether or not they did the most innovative stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. they got a lot of people into guns. Like it's, it's super obtainable for someone to go buy a 1022 mm-hmm. or a Savage, what is it? 110 or model 10 or they, whatever. They though. make good quality guns. Yeah. And, and for a budget. Yeah. And I mean, you could go buy a high point, I guess for same price, but not necessarily have mm-hmm. the. Well, and you, Same can, you, you can take a 1022 and turn it into whatever you want. Right. The aftermarket. And, right. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's the Harley Davidson cool. of our yeah. industry. Yeah. I mean, 1022, you know, it makes me want to do a 22 because mm. 
more 1022s have been sold than probably any gun in this country. And right. I don't like the 1022. Mm-hmm. hate the magazine. Oh, there's a lot to be improved. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? I like H&K. Favorite? I would say they're, Ooh, they're yeah. in the top, obviously. I mean, for many reasons. Yeah. Um, their social media is on point. Uh, well, it's they fi- they fired the uh, dude who betrayed the HK Instagram girl. Hmm. So I'm not sure it's still as cool, but maybe it is. I don't know. Well, either way, you know, I like my well SP5K PDW. Yeah, things cool. Yeah. You know, uh, you also have a P7. I, I believe. do have a P7. Thank you, Kevin. Yes, it's a yeah. good gun. It's a good gun. It's a good gun. Did yeah. you get the M8 or the PSP? Um, PSP. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have one. I like knights. I, I like H and K, but I, I I love guns. So what? I was gonna say I saw you posted your K three on Instagram the other day. Oh uh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a twenty two. Yeah, I post a picture of it on my mm-hmm. social media with a prototype carbon fiber can mm-hmm. from like twenty years ago. We were working on. Yeah, that's cool. So twenty two cal, you know, twenty two long rifle uh, squeeze cop. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat. Yeah. yeah, but knights and H K is why I got in the industry from a firearms company perspective, but. I mean, I just love all guns. So I respect, like, I respect FN. I've worked with FN on the SCAR contract since 2003. Yep. Did a lot of stuff for that. Um, I love Savage and Ruger that they keep innovating within their category, which they've identified as kind of a lower price point, you know, large volume. I respect what they do. Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm excited about the new Alien pistol that's coming out. Yeah. Um, trying to think of other companies that I really like. Like Accuracy International has always been a cool company to me. I like them. Uh, it's it's hard, it's hard to, to pick one. Yeah, I mean yeah. Remington Defense. When I was there, we were doing a lot of stuff like mm. the MSR rifle and our silencers and uh, doing interesting things. I, I I like that. Like I can find something I like about every company. Yeah, I mean it's like guns, I like guns, I like ammo, I like shooting. Mm. I think that's a misconception that people have is they assume that because you're outspoken about things you like and don't like that you just don't like anything that's not Q, which we all know oh. is not the truth. Oh, but. yeah. I mean, you guys, I mean, I've got thousands of guns. Right. I like, you know, I, I've got, I mean, I genuinely have more roller-locked HK guns than I do Q guns. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I love the MP5 or the MP5 SD, but, you know, like when we developed this gun, mm-hmm. you know, years ago, to replace the MP5 SD. It doesn't mean I don't like the MP5 SD. I love it. You know, I've got, you know, I've got one honey badger, maybe two. I think I got one. And, you know, I probably have 10 MP5s. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone Um, thinks that we dislike or you dislike the MP5 just because of social media comparisons, but it's more, you know, it was a replacement, you know, and it gets good traction on social media yeah it's it's funny it pisses <laughs> yeah. people yeah, off exactly. and they talk shit like yeah. if i call the honey badger an smg yeah to do on purpose yeah but yeah i mean to me the mp5 sd is stupid if i want a gun to mm-hmm. go shoot someone quietly and i mm-hmm. want something that is low visibility mm-hmm. it's big it's heavy it's not accurate right. trigger sucks can't mount opt to uh, ergonomics not, yeah everything about it's bad yeah. But at the time, it was awesome, and it created a category, and, you know, the Honey Badger's way better. It yeah. doesn't mean I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even like you said about the Handy Rifle, we, we did the Handy Rifles at AAC because yeah. it was a partner sister company within Freedom Group once Remington bought Advanced Armament. So that was H&R, and uh, what's the other company that did those? Uh, hmm. There's two companies. I'm not sure. There's one company doing them now. 
It was H and R M. Summit, I think. No, that's dumb. Did um, Mossberg do one? No, no, the, you guys are too young. The speculation podcast. Yeah. Like <laughs> <you>. <laughs> anyway, H and R. It was just because we could do a single shot rifle for like a hundred and twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. So we're like, why not chamber it in three hundred blackout? Because that's a popular gun at the time. You know, we're talking years ago for you know children, first time people for deer hunting. Let's. And it costs 120 bucks. We could sell it for 300 dollars. And now, like, what are the guns selling for on Gunbroker? I don't know. The handy rifle? Yeah, probably not that much, honestly. No. Oh, really? I bet yeah. about 300. Well, I guess. Oh, I thought they were well, like 600 bucks for the no, no, hmm. for the 300 blackout oh, I'm version. Sorry, I'm we sorry, did. Yeah. Google this. I would say a couple. Thomas bucks. Adam, what are we doing? Gunbroker. I'll be surprised. AAC. I'll be surprised if we can find one actually. Yeah, because they're yeah. so expensive and popular, no, because, and demand people hoard them. Because guns are selling. Doesn't matter what it is. Adam's. um handy spelt with an i but you know for me firearms i like all the companies but i tend to like what we're doing and what we're working on and the next project is my favorite thing not the last one right um so i probably view it differently yeah i don't see any blackout ones on there Yeah, see because because people hoard those things they're like gold it's it's like the crown you know for for uh oh that's h&r oh h&r is the other company harrington richards and yeah what geez, who's the other one I said? H and R. You said H and R. Okay, yeah. so let me finish this beer. <laughs> While I'm on Gumbroker, I'm looking at Honey Badgers. They're going there's, up. <laughs> <laughs> there's one now, an SD, seventeen bids on it, going for eight thousand five hundred and seventy five dollars, <sighs> and it has three days left. H- who's selling yeah. this? Probably Capital Armory. Yeah, I was going to say Capital Armory. They sold the the last one the for ninety three hundred bucks. Yeah, and this recently. One, oh no, this is Boss Firearms. So people are complaining about us having a 5% price increase mm-hmm. and silencer or our products are selling for three times mm-hmm. yeah. MSRP on yeah. Gunbroker. I mean, mm-hmm. all the starting bids on Some those the are ne- like five grand. The Nevesky one too, the N4 Ghetto Blaster, um, 39 bids on it. So more bids. And so it's at 5,900 bucks so far. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy right now. Yeah, I was going through the other day just trying to get a, a feel on what everything's selling for like we talk about all the time. And on Gunbroker, there were a bunch of honey badgers. I say a bunch, a handful, and all of them were about five grand starting bid. So it's just, it's immediate markup. It's not even mm. working there's its a, way up there. There's a Spice honey badger stripped lower <laughs> for 300 bucks. That is ridiculous, also. I know I just hurt some feelings. Payroll deduction. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think if we're not on Gunbroker, we ought to be posting stuff on there, getting some of that money and regulating some of these dealers. Yeah. I mean, it's people bidding on it that are driving the prices up, so we can't blame them. But, yeah, we might should get involved. I think so. Level the market a bit or make $10,000 a gun, one of the two. Yeah, I mean, imagine how we could decorate this office with sound equipment we could get, Thomas. Ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we, we should. I mean... Yeah. We don't need to do all the work and, right. you know, I want dealers and especially mm-hmm. mom and pop retail, brick and mortar, mm-hmm. stay in business, make lots of money, be there for their customers, support mm-hmm. everyone. Um, but we should get the bulk of the money. That's the way it should work. Because, you know, I'm going to pour it into R&D and new products. Mm-hmm. It also helps, you know, with our price increase. I think that if somebody buys something in retail from us right now, it seems like a really good deal. Yeah. Based on their research on Gunbroker and what's available right now. So there'll be no hesitation if they right. come across our product as available to order online or on at a dealer. Yeah. 
you know, they'll just jump right on it and that's good. So that's right. the, that's the benefit of the inflated prices on gun brokers. So it's not all bad, obviously it's yeah. very good for us in that way. And it's good for those dealers who can capitalize on supply and demand, Yeah, you know, in the, the yeah. state of the industry. So it's not all bad. And I'm by no means mad at those people for selling them at high prices. Good on them. You know? Yeah. You know, the gun part is becoming interesting with, uh, ammo becoming so difficult mm, the shortage i know you're having a mooch ammo off me i know 22 <laughs> squirrels don't shoot themselves unfortunately <laughs> well so this was something that i kind of looked into as well and i wasn't in the industry i was still in high school when sandy hook happened but i know that there was an impact you guys had to have seen some sort of massive decline in, or i'm sorry not decline but decline in availability but in, increase in sales whether it was both guns, but I would imagine ammo too. Um, I know that it's pretty well documented that when Sandy Hook happened, there was a shortage in ammo because everyone buying up. Same same ideas, the panic buying or whatever. But I just feel like now has to be way beyond that. Uh, it's only be. Listen, I, I in '94 the Clinton crime bill was another spike like this. It happens every time. Right. Um. You know, it's been around much longer. Like. Uh, this is only a bigger spike because there's more people involved. Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I say a ton of times before when I was 17, worked in the gun store, the only person that came in the gun store ever was a 35 to 55 year old white guy with a blue collar job. Right. That's it. That was our customer. It's much more diverse now. And we talked about it earlier where in just 20 years ago, there were eight and a half million Nick's checks. Now there's 40 million this past year. Right. <sighs> It's it's no different. It's it's worse, maybe in a sense, because you haven't seen as much, or because there's just a lot more people involved. I don't know, um, but it does suck. Like like in '94, you couldn't buy 22 ammo for mm-hmm. a year, and but everything went back. You know, and and seven six two by thirty nine ammo, they were still allowed to import a lot of foreign stuff. So their thousand uh, rounds was sixty nine dollars. That's what it costs, and during. The, the the crime bill scare in the first year or so seven six two by thirty nine ammo went to three hundred and seventy five dollars a thousand, so there was a dramatic increase in the price of ammo and firearms. Um, you know, and during the crime bill too, it was ten round mags. It's all you could have for ten years. And you guys are probably too young to remember this, but from ninety four two thousand four, you could only have ten round mags. Mm-hmm. I mean, or that's all that was available to be sold as new manufacturer. Right. They couldn't make so. What was out there was fine. But I've seen it a lot. I and mean, it's just like, it's annoying to me. You know, and one good thing for me is when we develop cartridges like 300 Blackout or 8.6, um, it's not a commodity-driven thing like a lot of the prior stuff where ammo was cheap because of military surplus ammo or whatever. Have um, I think it supports what we're doing because what we're doing is new and there's not surplus and the cost is what it is. There's the commodity cost of the copper and, you know, the lead and things like this, but then it is just the manufacturing and the work of developing it. Um, So things always come back down and kind of plateau, um, but never quite exactly where they were. And some of that is demand. I mean, some's just, you you know, um, you know, just cost of living and stuff. I don't know. Inflation. Inflation. Yeah. yeah, that's the word I was looking for. I got you. Yeah. And we, we've talked about pricing our products as a commodity. 
It makes sense. I mean, yeah. right now it's it's kind of hard to argue, and we know every honey badger pistol that we manufacture would sell for five or six thousand dollars, and mm-hmm. here we are selling them at distributor price to yeah. guys, and they're taking it and making five thousand dollars on each gun. Right. It doesn't make sense for the company, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the right answer is, mm-hmm. but what we're doing doesn't seem to be the right thing. Yeah, it's a tough spot. Yeah, I don't know. You're the CEO. Mm-hmm. You got to figure that shit out. Cut them off. Yeah. I mean, I know people are complaining and saying basically the same issue with the cheaper than dirt thing and basically mm-hmm. saying these these businesses need to be held accountable for mm-hmm. for doing this but is it our job to hold them accountable well i think it's a little bit different if we sell to a gun store and he takes our product and he marks it up ten thousand dollars it mm-hmm. has a retail of three thousand mm-hmm. that's different than if he puts it on a public auction right for the msrp price and it gets bid up to ten grand yeah yeah, is that his I, fault? I don't blame him. No, not at but, all. I would do the same thing. But he should give us a kickback. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Yep, buying mm-hmm. retail, buy direct is the best price right now. Yeah, but everyone just wants this whole, they have this, we, we want it right now, right now, right now. Yeah. And some people, I guess, are willing to pay right now prices if you're going to pay ten grand for Honey Badger, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always a gamble. If you know, I mean, if you knew you were never going to be able to get it again, I'd pay ten grand for right. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, because for me, I've only got one. Maybe I've got two. I think I've got one honey badger. I should probably buy another one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to pay ten grand. No, for it. <laughs> no. I'll trade. I'm yeah. going to trade someone. Um, well, it is interesting though. Our stuff selling for nine thousand. Mm-hmm. Besky stuff selling for five or six. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think... And there's still time left on that auction. You know, don't get me wrong. That's yeah, the final well, price. Yeah, I mean, what have they sold for? Because, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of Nevesky, Nevesky makes great products. I mm-hmm. mean, we partner with them on the stock and different things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a company... I mean, you know, Johnny was one of my best friends in the world, mm-hmm. a company that I super respect. They've done a lot of great things in the industry, mm-hmm. um, make great products. But for us to be... A, our stuff to be more of a demand or demand a higher price than them, I mean, I think that says something for what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it makes me feel good about it. Did we recently just send braces to... Yeah, we sent a whole bunch, and we have pretty good supply now, so it's going to be hopefully a steady flow. And, you know, one of the goals for this year is to be a better vendor for them so that they can better service the customers. Right. So I get that question sometimes. Yeah. And I, they send them to us, like people that want a Nevesky stock or Honey Badger. Yeah. They got to go through them, right? Yeah, somebody Instagram yesterday, I think, asked if they could buy a Ghetto Blaster... Or and whatever they're calling it, Space Invader brace from us because they bought a braceless one from Nevesky. I saw that as well. So I get it. They're selling them without the brace. They have to do what they have to do, but we're not going to sell their braces. We'll ship it to them and they can make that decision. Okay, that's what I tell people. And per that person, they said that Nevesky told them to hit us up, but now if we're... That's what I always mm -hmm. hear too when they message me. Yeah. I mean, they can't get them, so they're going to direct them to the people that make it. Exactly. Rightfully so. Yeah, still not selling them to them. No, definitely not. No, no. No standalone. I don't know. I think a lot of people, and I like to hear the story too. You, you've done some stuff with Johnny in the past, and oh my God, you know, so much stuff I would never tell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Johnny Nevesky to me. Um, I met Johnny. He's such a weird son of a bitch. He called me one day, and th- this had to be, I don't know, twenty twenty something years ago, and. Um, and to hear hear him retell the story when he and I would be somewhere and people would ask how we met or knew each other or what we were doing together, um, that he ordered silencer companies. So back in the day, back then, there were may- maybe half a dozen, ten silencer companies. 
he ordered catalogs, which we used to do actually printed catalogs because, you know, there wasn't really social media. Um, so he ordered catalogs from all the companies and he's, he's such a dork in some ways. He said what he did was he put them all in alphabetical order and then he called each company. He wanted to partner with a company that was a mainstream silencer company at the time to put si- offer silencers for guns that he was producing. So he did them in alphabetical order because it made the most sense to him. We were advanced armament company or corporation, so we came first. And he called me. I answered the phone. And he told me he was looking for a thirty caliber silencer. And the way he told the story, I don't remember the conversation. He said, you know, here, I'm going to send you our Cyclone, which is a thread mount thirty caliber silencer. You try it. If you like it, pay the invoice. If you don't, you keep it. You don't owe me anything. Move on to the next company. And so he did that, and he never called any other company. He got our silencer, and he liked it, and we began a friendship and a relationship, you know, professionally. And, um, you know, that's kind of how it happened. So, you know, as that happened over time, we would get together once a year, twice a year. We'd go hunt. We'd hang out, and, and more and more, we became good friends. And he was insane. You know, it was interesting. You know, uh, Johnny was from the West Coast, so he grew up in, you know, just north of California and Oregon and in San Francisco. And, you know, his mentality compared to mine from someone from the Southeast and, you know, the, the life that he had led. But the first gun he built me, he, he built me a, and I still have it. It's a Remington model, model 600. So the shortest action it makes like a Remington model seven now. So short action, 700. Hmm. And he did, uh, but he was a barrel maker. So after the army, Johnny went to work at Pacnor, which is a barrel company there just west, uh, on the coast of Oregon, west of where he lived. And he went to work there and learned how to button rifles and everything, or, uh, you know, barrels. And, um, he learned a lot about barrel making. And then he began making, uh, um, bolt guns. So he was a custom bolt gun builder. And, you know, and I think he had gotten the money from something that he didn't want people to know at the time. He was very ashamed of. But Johnny was an apprentice as a glass blower. So he was making, you know, Johnny was a super creative guy, artistic guy, just kind of a renaissance man. Like Johnny was a freaking badass. But he was making a lot of stuff. So it turned into him making a lot of like, what are you people that smoke weed call it? I don't smoke weed. I don't know. (laughs) You look like you do. (laughs) You're the freaking poster child for marijuana legalization. My parents are police. Uh, uh, Yeah. So it was like, uh, you know, like, I don't know, like the bowls or whatever. Okay. So so that's how he like made the money to start Nevesky Rifle Works. And that's probably never been told. And I don't, he'd been dead a while now. We're <laughs> friends. And, and I mean, nobody thinks of him that way. But Johnny was like, you know, very anti-drug and stuff. So it was like a conflict for him mm-hmm. to some degree. And I, I get it. Like, he's young. And he had a dream of, like, having his own gun company. And, you know, Johnny's one of those guys who would have been good at anything he did. Anything he did. Like, everyone loved him. Everyone he talked to made feel special. He was exceptional at everything he did. And he wanted to be a gun maker. And he was making custom bolt guns. And that's the first gun he built me. And he had one. We went on a hunt. He had one he had built. It's a little lightweight Remington Model 600. He had barreled. He had put a McMillan stock on. He had a silencer on. A little, little pole, like two and a half, ten power scope. It was awesome. Or maybe it was probably two to seven. Um, and we went on a bear hunt together. And I wanted one just like his. So he built me one. 
and I still have it today, still hunt with it. Um, he's just so crazy. And, and he's the first one that introduced me to 300 Whisper, which later on became 300 Blackout. Mm-hmm. And he was sh- loading and shooting stuff with that because he, he was hunting all the time back then, so 20 years ago. Um, and he was on a – we were on a – well, so many hunts. One great story with him is he was on a, a bear hunt right before I got out there to go on a hunt with him. And where he is in Grants Pass, Merlin, Oregon, so just north of California in the mountains, he shoot uh, black-tailed deer and bear every year, black bear. And he was on a black bear hunt and on a river near their house, and he was went down to the water, um, looks upstream a couple hundred yards, and there is the biggest black bear he's ever seen on a rock eating a fish. And he has an 8-inch 300 Whisper AR-based gun. So he was getting in the AR-based guns. But everybody thinks, like, Nebeski ARs. It wasn't originally what they did. He originally built bolt guns. So he had, and, and I have an upper. He sent me just like his, and I still have the gun set up and still shoot it. And he would load ammo and send to me. But he was telling me about 300 Whisper, and it's a great cartridge, and that's what he used for hunting. You know, blacktail. Because his shots were inside of 100 yards. It is, you know, kind of like the East Coast. A lot of forests, mountains, hills, not long shots. And he um, looks upstream, and there's a, the biggest black bear he's ever seen on a rock. He turns, shoots the black bear, falls into the river. And there's rapids where he is. Hmm. And it's the biggest one ever. So he shoots it, falls into the river. A couple hundred yards, so it's making its way down. He panics. They're parked downstream. But he's with his hunting partner. Take and and this is in the winter. Takes all of his clothes off. Is you know he's got like his phone, his wallet, all stuff. Tells his buddy to go downstream, get the truck. And they know about a mile away. There's a landing where you can put like boats and stuff in to pick him up there. And so Johnny shot this bear, the biggest black bear he's ever seen, hundreds of pounds. One shot falls in the river. He doesn't know if it's dead or not. He's crazy. Strips down. Tells his buddy this, jumps in the river with the bear, grabs the bear. He's riding the bear halfway down in the rapids. And a lot of times where there's deep spots, he's holding the bear up to make sure it gets through the rapids and pushes it along till he gets down to where his buddy has taken their truck to and pulls it over to the side, you know, almost drowned and dead. And I mean, that's just who he was. Like every time that we went hunting, there was like something dramatic. Like I can think of so many stories. Um, it, you know, he was almost attacked by two uh, mountain lions. So two cougars once. And he ends up shooting one, laying on his back with a 300 wind mag, shooting it while it's in the air, under its chin, through its head. And there were two. Wow. And he ate that one. And he told me, like, he's the one, first person I knew that ate mountain lion. He says, well, the back straps, they're like, not bad. It's not great, but it wasn't too bad. But when he skinned it out, gutted it, it's like stomach was the size of its esophagus. They were starving. Hmm. And so that's why they were attacking him. Like, he was black bear hunting, and he's walking along this this uh, dirt road along the ridge on this mountain that, you know, kind of – you know, had ups and downs in it. And he, could, he, he stopped and saw him peek over the top one time and he stopped. And he's like, it was like 50 yards away. And next thing he knew, like two hops, it was on top of him. So he fell back and shot one. The other one ran off. Damn. So he ate that one. It's crazy. Um, yeah. I mean the stuff, 
I mean, the other hunts and things that we did, some stuff I won't even talk about. But, you know, I know one time, you know, I mean, he's dead now, so what are they going to do? Like, God rest his soul, crazy bastard. But um, he'd go on this annual trip every year with his friends and his, his dad. And he lived on the river in Grants Pass, Oregon. And he became, he told me, became fascinated with the military and firearms and stuff at a young age. When he was a little younger than me, when the Gulf War kicked off in 91, that um, it was, I guess, like the Rogue River that was in their town was the closest thing to like the Euphrates or whatever over in Iraq that we had here. So like SEAL Team 6 or something came and trained there with jet boats and stuff. And he became fascinated with it. And he, he wanted to do that stuff. And so as he got older and made money, bought a house on the river, he lived there, he had jet boats, he'd terrify me in the boats. Like, I, I freaking hated going on rides with him. Because, you know, it's like 12 inches of water. He's going right. like 50 miles an hour, like drifting around corners and stuff. It was, it, it was horrifying. Um, but he'd go on a trip, like they would go in canoes, like four or five uh, uh, father-son groups would go, you know, miles and miles and miles down the river every year, like a week-long trip of, you know, like going down the rapids and in the little boats, um, you know, camping on the shore and stuff like this. So, whatever, 20 miles south of them. Um, Rogue River's beautiful. It's all rock and big cliffs and stuff, by the way. Um, there's this resort like 20 miles south of them. He wanted me to make him a silencer for his Glock, Model 20, a 10 millimeter. And I'm like, eh, it's going to be loud and it's going to suck. And he's like, well, just as much as I can get, you know, I don't mind using water, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we did it. I took his barrel, put an extension on it, threaded it for him, got him a setup. I was like, it's not going to be great. He's like, it's fine, fine, fine. Had no idea what he was doing. Very secretive. And so I find out later, actually, in Oct he died in January of, what is this? He died in uh 2013 maybe so like eight years ago so in 2012 in october i took it to him and all and he went on that trip with his dad and his friends and you know and it was one of these setups where his buddy uh his, their family owns a big company out there and would drive over like or fly over every three days like their pilot in their private plane i had the door off like throw coolers out to him with like beer and food and stuff so anyway, 20 miles south there of their home, there is a, a big fancy resort where, you know, it's nice, fancy people stay. And the biggest black-tailed deer in that area live at that resort. And so basically you have this idea, this big, big resort. People eat on the back porch every morning. And it's like all grass, nice out to like a little rock cliff overlooks a river. It's just a beautiful scene. And um, so... Johnny tells me, so in October when I got there to hunt with them, it's like, I think right after this had happened, he gives me this picture. He's like, this is the only picture of this that exists. Don't ever want anyone to see it. Again, he's dead now, so too bad. Um, so it's the picture we have in the cabinet over oh, there. Oh, yeah, around the corner. So him sitting with that giant black tail. So you might not know it, but that is a giant black tail deer. And he, they camp out every year when they do this trip on the beach right below that resort. And so the morning, they camp out. The morning, they're going to go. Johnny wakes up, tells everybody, hey, I'll be back in like 30 minutes. Hang out. He goes up there with that Glock 10 millimeter sound. So people are having breakfast everything. These giant blacktail come out onto the lawn. They're, they're, they're feeding. They're grazing. 
and he picks the biggest one, shoots it with a 10 millimeter with the silencer. While and, everyone's watching it. In front of everybody eating <laughs> breakfast <laughs> and grabs it by the antlers. And, you know, John's a pretty big guy. Drags it down this hill, down this cliff, down this hill. And his dad tells me he gets there and he thought like John's having a heart attack. Like he's all red, sweaty, he's like can't breathe and everything. Had this giant deer with him. He's like, help me get in the boat. We got to go. <laughs> and that's the only reason he wanted that silencer. And that's that giant black tailed deer. Um, so just stuff like that that he would do. I crazy. mean, it was is crazy. And he was insane. And he was so cool and creative and just. Um, you know, it's it's a real loss, yeah. and um, so it's interesting to see you know his, his wife continuing the company and doing cool things with marketing. Johnny had like severe social anxiety; that's why they never did shot show or anything. Um, but he's a brilliant guy and created something really cool with the company. It's, it's interesting to see his wife Lorena take it, and she's incredibly brilliant and creative and interesting and you know, takes her own spin. And you see it with the marketing now, like the marketing in Nevesky now, that's who Lorena Nevesky is. Yeah. And, um, you know, so for me, it's, it's cool to see that, but yeah, Johnny was a cool guy and he was easy to like, That's awesome. and, uh, you know, he was easy to be inspired by. And, um, he did a lot of cool stuff and, you know, he got me excited about life and about firearms and a different aspect of guns and what I was, into because he got into hunting and stuff before me and he kind of introduced me into some of that stuff and you know like like i'll always be indebted to him for introducing me to 300 whisper for instance so it's a story very cool so do we owe 300 blackout to johnny no is that what i mean no (laughs) (laughs) no we don't we don't but um that was my first introduction to it even before socom yeah yeah, I mean, you know, lots of smart people knew there was there was potential there. Sure. Noveski uh, recently did a collaboration with Warm and Fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Warm and Fuzzy. They made the Hobgoblin. Oh, yeah. Um, short AR with the front side post, which I love. Uh, she, she's good. She's good with the names. Lorena's brilliant, creative. Like, Johnny always wanted to name a gun, uh, a gun the Ghetto Blaster, but right. he was afraid what people would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a bit of a, it was so interesting that someone who'd shoot a bear and jump in the river after it, or would go in front of a, like this expensive resort and shoot a deer in the yard yeah. and run, run off with it. But when it came to stuff like that, he was a big wuss. Mm-hmm. So, that's, I mean, they launched a ghetto blaster and they got some backlash yeah. for it, Yeah, you know, for the wrong reasons, but you know, they changed the name. Yeah. Gen so. four and four PDW. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's mm. always, you, you know, like when you're really good at something like Nevesky is or, you know, whoever, you're always going to get the criticism. Yeah. And, you know, you're always going to get people that boycott you or talk shit or hate on you. I mean, for me, who cares? But I understand. I mean, mm. I understand. I mean, you know, I've got my obligations and you do mm. with this company and she does, Lorena does with her company. Mm. And Yep. Well, as far as... Noveski being a cool brand now, always was, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, brands that you like? Maybe people that send us some stuff, brands that you just find, even outside the gun industry? Oh, stuff my God. Just... Man, so many. Well, I tell you, today, um, you know, Vickers Guide sent me two books, yep. which were awesome. I got the World War II German book and the new SIG book, mm-hmm. Adam. Yeah. Where most of us, including Jay, yes. yeah, we're all at SIG, so that's pretty interesting. Um, a lot of history. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. My jacket. 
tactical distributors. Oh, a yeah. big shout out to them. Look at this thing. Yeah, that is so awesome. they sent the, cool. the sweet tiger stripe pants that I yep. have that I love for summertime. I yep. wish they had winter versions of that. Too cold in New Hampshire to wear those in the winter. Is that reversible? Yeah, of course it's reversible. It's reversible and awesome. I don't know. Maybe it's not reversible. It's not. It's not. You can wear anything inside out. I mean, I, I will at my age. What do I care? Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. I ain't though. trying to get a date. Yeah. yeah. Um, but oh my God, it's warm. They have so much stuff. What I've seen about tactical distributors. So Todd Askins is a cool guy there. I mean, he's also like Johnny, a man's man, like the spear fishing and all the stuff that he does. He's, he's one of the guys there at tactical distributors in Virginia beach. So they're, they're next to, you know, the seal base there. Um, they have a lot of great products at affordable prices. Right. Um, you know, like the, the tiger stripe little fuzzy, uh, pullover. They got all the shorts and pants and flip flops and stuff. They sent me this summer. Yeah. I mean, I would gladly pay full price for their stuff and it's a value. Tacticaldistributors.com, maybe. They're cool. They're one of my favorites. Yep. We've been so, so blessed. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. With some, oh my God, look at this. So I, I don't even know his name's Cole. So this is made out of skateboards. Yep. So see, he said he got drunk with one of his kids in the letter, which I'm guessing means he got drunk and was also one, with his kids. Was working with one of his kids. <laughs> right. I don't think, it, but anyway, man, look at this little MP5 out of like skateboards. How cool is that? That's awesome. It's going in the museum. We got to have like a whole wall. It's yep. a mile long here of all the stuff people send us. This is one of my favorite things we've received. Mm. The Q you know, what do you think? You're think not impressed. I think the magazine's a little disproportioned. Okay, so it's <laughs> just well, you, you know, I, I just said MP5, and I'm well, such an saying, asshole. I don't think that was. That's supposed that's to be a honey badger. badger. Yeah. Yeah, I no, didn't yeah. want to correct you. I was no. say, I don't you know should correct me when <laughs> yeah. I'm wrong. I doubted myself when you said that. I, I was know. Like, Shit, I thought that was a honey badger. Well, I like it so much better now. <laughs> so much more effective. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Uh, see, I didn't go pew, pew, pew because there's no silence. No, it's just right. bam. Yeah, yeah. Bam, bam, Only bam. silencers do that. Yeah, look at that. Look at this. Look. Hmm. Hold up to that camera. This camera? Yeah. Old dirty bastard. The greatest ever. Old dirty bastard with a Q hat. I mean, I think this is an actual picture. It's authentic. So yeah. I put it on a mag. Yeah. He yeah, he, he was always ahead big, of his time. Big Q fan. Yeah, Auto big, big Q fan. <laughs> it's not? No. You might have to push it more towards me. Uh, yeah, whatever. whatever. See what it. about right there? I'll make that work. ODB. Yep. So, I mean, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, those are freaking treasures. They're going to be in, a, I don't know, some kind of museum for this company forever. So I love all that stuff. But tactical distributors, I mean, current companies that hook us up, like mm-hmm. I get books, we get tons of alcohol. Mm-hmm. The jackets are nice since New Hampshire's cold is yeah. a witch's titty, as we'd say in there. <laughs> yes, so. that's correct. Yeah, and a brass bra. So what are some brands that you would, and we get a lot of stuff here sent for free or yeah. for promotion or whatever, but what, what are some oh, brands you'd spend some some of your money on, your hard-earned money? My money? Yeah. Things I money support? Uh, things that I actually support. Well, Chick-fil-A is one of them when I can find that. I love the mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A. I love fried chicken. You know, that's a southern part of me. Um, I love, you know, for me, a company Vans, just mm-hmm. because I raced BMX from 1980 to 1988. And my very first pro team I was on, we were sponsored by Vans. And this is a first encounter with Vans. I was maybe six or seven years old. It was Schwinn. And um, they've always supported. And so as BMX ended, I got into skateboarding. And, you know, you guys know I've been skateboarding the rest of my life. Like, I still have a half pipe. Um, And so I support Vans. 
because I love skateboarding. So it's interesting to me to see it in the Olympics. Um, within firearms, stuff I spend money, I don't know, because most people give me stuff. Mm. But I love Swarovski, um, EOTech, Aimpoint, I mean, Trigicon, their little RMRs, they use mm-hmm. a lot of the dots. Um, you know, Hornady, Discrete Ballistics, mm, like Edgar Sherman Sling. Oh, yeah. If I could buy an Edgar Sherman Sling, I would buy it. If not, he better send me one because I'm mm-hmm. going on a hunt. I need a freaking sling. I'll give you one. I was say I got one. I'll sell you. Sell me. Trade me. <laughs> I yeah, bought to the I gun bought broker. Uh, yeah, they're awesome. I always buy them from them. I want to support them. Yeah. I always just, if they're available, I buy it. Yeah, they're yeah. my favorite sling yeah. for sure. And, and you know, like Arteryx, I love Arteryx mm-hmm. products. Um, you know, they've been really good to me in the past, and they've given me a lot of stuff. But you know, what they did was introduce me to that level of quality and design mm-hmm. for like outdoor cold weather gear. Because yep. me being from the south, I never like needed cold weather right. gear until I get up here. I go on hunts in like very cold places, and it makes a world of difference. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm getting old and sappy, and I like mm. to support a lot of local brands like Stoneface. Our mm. local brewery is a great brewery I love. You know, whatever. Hours North. Hours North. A, a great. Uh, what, what are you guys, an alternative band? What, um, what do we call this? Yeah, eclectic, acoustic, electric. Come uh, on. Come <laughs> on. Yeah, but it's so eclectic Tommy for sure. I don't know. That's impossible. That's the stupidest question. <laughs> no, it's not, not the stupidest question. Just go it's listen to it. Question. I told them that I thought they were... Um, Black Keys versus Ooh, I like the Black with Keys. a mix of Kings of Leon, and they took that as a compliment. So. Yes. Kings of Leon and Black Keys. You don't yeah. take that as a compliment. You're a oh, musical yes. idiot. Yeah. That's where we go. Yeah. Well, you just never know when you're comparing somebody to somebody else. I was like, oh, is that what they were? Well, going whatever. For? <laughs> you, speaking of musical morons, have you, <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen High Fidelity with John Cusack? No. Uh, what? Come on. Oh no. my God. I don't like you John Cusack. Don't ask me to quote it, but I've, like seen it. It. I've watched it. Yeah. A hundred times. Mm-hmm. I very vividly remember watching it when I was younger with my dad, but I such don't remember the movie. Okay. Is that the it's one about where he's with, he has the boombox over his head outside his girlfriend? Not say anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, any John Cusack movie is the same. Oh, my God. John Cusack guy. Now oh, that, my God. Now, now you guys. say that, I don't think I've seen High Fidelity. <laughs> <laughs> it has Jack Black, maybe his greatest role ever. When they're in a, is it a record store? Yeah. Yes. So they're in Chicago. John Cusack owns a record store. Jack Black's one of his employees. Love that. Um, uh, Lisa Bonet, isn't that the one that was married to Lenny? Yes. Lenny Kravitz. I think so. So she's she's a performer in the and so uh, John Cusack was a DJ. Gets a little older, owns a record store. They just love music. They quote music records, talk about it constantly. Their top five albums of whatever it is: breakups, Mondays, whatever it is. You guys should not be allowed to produce any music without watching this. If you don't watch it by Monday, you guys just go home without pay until I watch it tonight. In, until then, it is so good. Back. It's going to change your lives. I'll report back. Jack Black is phenomenal in it. And He's good in everything. Yeah. Uh, wait, yeah. Well, watch out. I don't. I don't. Know. What's 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 the movie with Bruce Willis where he's the? Uh, oh, Die Hard. Yeah. No, the one with Jack Black where he shoots his arm off holding a pack of cigarettes. Oh, Jackal. Jackal. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah, oh. yeah. A little yeah. to the left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it is a phenomenal movie. You guys need to watch it. Mm. So it reminds. So what was the one with the boombox? Say, Say anything. anything. I thought they were the same movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're morons. No, John Cusack. Mm. It was great. The movie's great. Um, what did I just watch with his sister in it? Oh, she's wonderful. She's in the movie she's too. So Joan funny. Cusack. Yeah. 
So it's, it's uh, well, probably gross point blank. No, it's a new new show. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, or she, she's the crazy one. She was in like the Adams Family movies. She, did you see Gross Point Blank with John Cusack? I don't like John Cusack. No. Why do you know his Why? whole? I don't want... <laughs> <laughs> you know his whole catalog. I liked him in Con Air. It's got Con, Dan Con Air was he good. was great. In he the was, hot, hot was he wasn't in Con Air. <laughs> John Cusack was he in Con Air? He was in Con. He, he wasn't was in like Con the... Air. Was he in Con Air? Google it. You got the he Google was machine in front of you. If he's Air. not, you you are doing a shot. <laughs> hot tub time machine. John Cusack. That was a good movie. He was in that. Yeah, he was the main character. I didn't watch that. It's dumb, brother. He's in there. He is oh, in Con he, Air. He's the main character in, in Con, Con Air. Air? Yes, in Con Air. <laughs> I thought Let that me was flip this thing around. That was Nicholas Cage. Yeah, me too. It's Nick Cage, but he's the cop guy. Check him out. Oh, it's such a bad movie. I don't even remember. Con Air rules. See. All right, your taste is in your mouth. What? Can we mute his microphone? <laughs> he's, the, he's the guy that would mute his microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas, mute your own microphone. Fuck John Cusack. <laughs> so I'm we, telling you, I feel like I should be in y'all's band. Can y'all can y'all stomach a seventh can, member? You can do the cowbell. I, I feel like I could be a, a lyricist. You have six members? Like, are you guys familiar with Big Daddy Kane? He's one of my greatest influences. Yes. So is that what you would bring to the table? Uh, I'd probably bring a lot to the table. Could you rap? Can you rap? I can totally rap. Can you I can, rap? You can rap. Oh, my He's God. You don't ask James Bond if he can ride a horse. Of course he can. James Bond rides horses? He does everything. I do everything. <laughs> all right, so... James Bond can do it. I can do it. Next time, you know he next time we do this, I'm going to bring a beat in, all right? And you're going to just put it down I'll for freestyle. us. I'll freestyle. You'll freestyle? I'll free, I've been freestyling right, well, since let, middle school. Let me get a beat together, and then we'll do this. Next podcast, episode I mean, I, 31, I, 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 Kevin no, that gives him time to remember I've it. been exactly. freestyling, freestyling since your dad was in yeah. puberty. Well, I don't want you to embarrass yourself if you're, you know, you're, come on. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> you're going to talk about me embarrassing myself. <laughs> I love you guys. Hopefully, we'll turn this into something. It's a good time we're doing. For sure. Yep. All right, next time. Later.